Hello, this is Monday, July 1st. This is the Daily Perspective from Politics NC. I'm Kirk Kovac here on the phone with Thomas Mills. Thomas, how are you today? I'm great, Kirk. How are you? I am well enough for this uh, holiday week here. So I know we, we, we spoke earlier last week and we didn't get a chance to comment on the biggest story I think everyone's been waiting on for quite a while now. Uh, the Rucho Common Cause Supreme Court case. So the Supreme Court finally made a decision on the gerrymanders in North Carolina and Maryland, and they've set some precedent nationwide. I know we both followed that closely. What were your initial thoughts after that decision came out Thursday? Um, you know, I was I was kind of disappointed. I wasn't completely surprised. I, I'm I'm not a lawyer, so trying to understand what they said was kind of where I started. And it it sounded to me, from what I gathered, is they said that federal courts are not the place to deal with any gerrymandering. So that means that nobody will be bringing uh, gerrymandering cases, with the exception of the the, the racial gerrymandering, to the the, uh, court. Um, So... Now it's back to we have two options. We can take it to the, the state court. And I, I did see something this morning that they that's already started. There, there's going to be a there's going to be a case um, heard in a couple of weeks, right? Is uh, maybe I, next week? This summer is for sure, but yeah, yeah, and I believe. And so we'll see what happens as it moves through the courts. Obviously, Democrats are probably a little bit feel better about that since the Demo- the court the Supreme Court in North Carolina has held five to one or six to one Democrat. Yeah, six to one. And uh you know, that that seems to be uh a, a, a good place to be. And the other thing they, they're gonna have to do is start competing in some of these races where the districts aren't that that good. And and I think they probably should have started that already. Um I mean, we, we filled a great bunch of candidates in 2018 and still came up short. I think they need to, to flip, if, I, if, if I'm right, they need to flip three House seats and three Senate seats to get control of one of the two chambers. And that puts them in a position to be able to um, work with redistricting going into the, on the other side of the 2020 census. Um. You know, my, my thought a little bit is that it's not like when de- Democrats gerrymandered, we had a whole bunch of liberal Democrats in there. I mean, we had conservative Democrats serving in Congress. We had Heath Shuler. We had Mike McIntyre. We had Larry Kissel. Um, they, these, these were politicians who were very moderate and, uh, and, and certainly not liberal. They, in fact, you know, I think uh, Mike McIntyre was listed as the most conservative Democrat until he left. So if we're going to compete in these districts, we need to be looking for, for candidates uh, who reflect the districts. And, and, and people in Raleigh and people in Chapel Hill and Carborough, they may disagree with those candidates half the time, but it's better than disagreeing with them all the time. And I think that's something Democrats are going to have to learn after this. Um, so that's kind of my take on the whole gerrymandering case. Yeah, well, I, there was a a lot of uh, 
disappointment with that decision, uh, definitely on the side of Democrats here. But I assume Republicans in Maryland were also equally upset because it is a nonpartisan issue and that both parties do it. And also, it is a bit apples to oranges to compare what Democrats did 30 or even 20 years ago, because like you say, Democrats were just not the same as they were today. So it's not even a party thing in some cases. It's more of the ideology. Uh, And to your point, I I thought it was interesting. I've noticed this a lot uh, recently in particular, and it reminds me of uh, Senator Jim DeMint from South Carolina, who had a quote saying uh, along the lines a few years ago, he would he would rather have 30 good conservatives in the Senate than 60 milquetoast conservatives or Republicans. And I I feel like that's kind of becoming a, a common sentiment among some people in that you'd rather have ideological purity than a pure majority. And that seems kind of self-defeating in a way that you would rather have people who firmly hold the same beliefs as opposed to actually having a majority that can get something done. And also that's, that's true of the house of representatives. The democratic party made the most gains in moderate districts and the type of seats we have to compete in every year to actually hold a majority. So do you think just to take that example a little bit, do you think that the Democrats will continue to field good moderate candidates like they were able to in 2018 or or that this noise about you know progressives being ascendant will sort of take over and you might have people that can't win? Like the suggestion that people should primary Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Nobody besides Joe Manchin can win that seat in West Virginia. So you lose the seat if you primary him, right? Right. And and nobody no nobody success successfully primary him. Um so you know he 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 held the seat. I uh, I, I don't know where that's going to be. Um, you know I'll uh, we'll watch and see. I, I I hope that we continue to to uh, field strong candidates in, in in districts that fit where they're supposed to be, but uh, or fit the districts where they live. Um, you know and and. North Carolina historically has kind of been separate from the National Democratic Party, and uh, and it's why one reason for for throughout the the eighties and nineties and two thousands early two thousands Democrats won at the state level, but they lost at the federal level. So you know we'll we'll see what happens, but I, but I hope we continue to have a bigger tent than a smaller tent. Right. And and to that point a little bit, I remember our mutual friend, uh, Sally Royster's dad, Jack Hunt, back in the day ran for Congress and didn't win. And they told him that they wanted a Democrat in Raleigh and a Republican in uh, D.C. So there's still, you know, not so much today, but the idea of splitting tickets and preferring one party here and another there, that's that's not really seen as much today. It's pretty split partisanship straight down. Right. Um, but you wrote today, uh, speaking of moderation in our politicians, Dan Forrest had a bit of a week. Uh, he spoke, I believe it was actually in my hometown area there, Salisbury, at a church with a political event with the Republican Party there in Rowan County about diversity. Um, doesn't sound like Dan Forrest is a big fan of diversity. And I know the common phrase is diversity is our strength, but I believe his remarks floated the idea that we we barely stick together as a country because of the diversity. So what, what exactly was Dan Forrest getting at there? Well, I, I think some of it might have been a little bit overblown. 
But he clearly thinks that diversity and multiculturalism are bad for the country. Um, and, and that's, you know, that kind of flies in the face of who we are as a country. But what it was really saying was, but don't worry, our Christianity will bring us together. The problem is, is we're not a Christian nation. We're, we, we're, we're a country of all kinds of religions. So this idea that, that you know, that, that Christianity is, gonna, is what's going to save us from diversity and multiculturalism, because I guess in, in the sense that if we can all, if the whole country just becomes Christian, then we won't have to worry about being diverse or multicultural because we'll all believe the same thing. That's not who we are as a country. The diversity, the, 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 the ability to hold different opinions, to have different ideas, different ideologies, that's what makes America great. And it's, what, it's, it's how uh, innovation comes out of the country. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's that, that tension that, that makes us uh, a, a, a remarkable country. And it's, what, it's really what we've been built on. I mean, we can argue that, that we have had to overcome slavery. We've had to overcome all kinds of, of uh, the, the, what we did to the Native Americans. It was literally slaughters of Native Americans. But at the same time, I think there's always been an undercurrent of people who wanted to make the country better and more welcoming. Um, and, and we saw it with, with massive uh, European immigration in, in the Northeast. Uh, in in the late 1800s through the early 20th century, and uh, now we've seen we're seeing it. Um, we're seeing a large migration from from Central and South America. It, 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 eventually, in Mexico, th- those people are going to they're going to assimilate. They're going to be part of our country. They're going to become part of our whole national fabric. That's what the country's all about. So you know, I, I think he's wrongheaded, but but more importantly. I think it's those views that that in the past have hurt Republicans in North Carolina because we're not an extremist state. We're we're very much of a moderate state, and and uh, Forrest comes across as 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 an extremist. So, right, yeah. So that that is the the big question, I suppose. Is this? Do you think this is just a blip, or this is more of? going to be a trend with things he says or that things that come up because you know, regardless of maybe people's opinions on him policy wise, I, I do believe Roy Cooper gives off the presence of being a pretty moderate guy. So do you think that will be uh, something to, to look out for next year? Yes. I, you know, I, I expect uh, when you start digging, once you get below the surface of, of, um, of Dan Forrest, you're going to start finding a lot of these types of statements. And, uh, because I really think that's who he is. And uh, Cooper is pretty much of a moderate. He's, he's, uh, that's who he's been his entire political career. So, you know, and, and in North Carolina, that, that makes a successful politician. So I think that is going to be the contrast. Are you going to keep with a relatively centrist governor? Are you going to, we're going to jerk the state hard to the right again with a, with a guy who's probably more conservative than either Phil Berger or Tim Moore. So, yeah. Well, I think that about does it today. I guess people can be on the lookout now as well. Uh, Pat McCrory had a big announcement today on his radio show that he's, 
starting a podcast. So there's going to be some more competition in North Carolina for podcasters. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. We'll have to catch up again maybe next week after this 4th of July ends up. But I'm sure there will be more news to cover in North Carolina by the next time we talk. I'm sure. Thanks a lot, Kirk. Thank you for listening to Perspective from Politics NC. If you liked our podcast today, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen. Follow us at Politics NC on Twitter and like our page on Facebook. Be sure to visit politicsnc.com to read the articles we discuss each day and where new articles are posted every morning.